nobody who is truly uh, interested in whatever you went through because of religious trauma ever uses the word church hurt i realize it's always mm. coming from those who want to dismiss what you're saying because they think oh this is just a part of the collective group these things may happen but this is not the main thing hello my friends and welcome to the dig new streams podcast i'm your host dave capozzi this week i'm joined by michelle known as shell the heretic the unconvinced daughter in the deconstruction space. She is a pastor's kid and former Christian and is now an atheist. Her deconstruction started at the age of eight and 30 years later at the age of 38, she deconverted from Christianity. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Michelle. <laughs> so you grew up in the Assemblies of God tradition. Yeah. Your father... Was he a pastor or did he always hold some kind of administrative office? He was a pastor, but he was also the superintendent, um, always on the main National Assemblies of God Council, even after he was no longer superintendent. He was superintendent for 10 years, and I think that's as much as you can be. Mm. I don't know. They've changed it now to bishop. They no longer call them superintendents. They call it bishop. I don't know if that's internationally, but here in Jamaica, that's what I've, I learned the other day because I was talking to a pastor. <laughs> uh, wow. But he was, yeah, he was very much instrumental in the building of churches across the island. Wow. So yeah. I have two two questions about that. First of all, why, I mean, Bishop's kind of cooler than superintendent, I think. Why did they wait <laughs> till your father was no longer? Um, but second, I think it's more recent than, yeah. because he died 17 years ago. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. years ago, actually. So that was, this This new, this is a re very recent development. So mm. years after he passed, it was still superintendent. So I guess, you know, we can chalk that up to just evolution. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they don't believe in that, though. Um, that part. <laughs> <laughs> So you were, I'm also curious, you were talking to a pastor the other day, so you're still somewhat connected. Yeah, my mom is still, well, she she's a retired pastor. Wow. Um, so, but she's still very much a part of the church council and she attends the yearly um, conferences for, that all the pastors gather. She's about to go to that next week, actually. Wow. So she's, I'm still very much um intertwined with the church in terms of relationships that I have with people. Yeah. I haven't been disowned, even though they know, no, they know, you know, that I no longer believe. I haven't really gotten any backlash. The most they will say, oh, I'm still praying for you, but we still talk. That's you amazing. Know? Yeah. That's a very different experience than yeah. from what I've heard from a lot of other people, at least in the States. And I, I know that you identify, at least from a video that I've seen of yours, as an atheist. Yes. So, like, if how recent is your experience of leaving the church and sort of embracing atheism? Um, if that's the language that you use. I remember you use specific language to talk about your journey towards accepting atheism. Um, well, I left the church in terms of regular every Sunday attendance at the age of 17. And so I would only attend like special occasions, which is like Mother's Day, Father's Day, you know, the regular family Sunday, which is a Assemblies of God thing. I, I know other churches or denominations may have that. So that kind of stuff. Um, but in terms of, so I think for most of them, they have just gotten used to me not attending church. So there was this, this over assumption, I should say, that they had that I didn't believe anyway <laughs> they just assumed it they just assumed it but yeah. to, i don't think any of them thought the word atheists that didn't come to mind you know yes um, until i said it and that was recent that was like 20 last year may because the year before october i decided 
that I truly wanted to be a Christian in the full scope of what Assemblies of God think a Christian should be. Yeah. Um, and then I started reading the Bible because obviously that's the guide and I wanted to understand it. So yeah. that led me down the path of atheism <laughs> for many people. It so <laughs> um, it's fairly recent, but for like in my early twenties, I was an agnostic because I didn't do church. I didn't, I didn't understand, but I was very lazy then. I didn't care for the truth. I just knew I didn't understand. And from that basis, it was like, I can't believe or profess something that I don't really understand. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And so identifying as an atheist is a recent recent yeah thing how did your mother handle that part um she handled it better than when i told her i wanted to go to a different church that's for sure <laughs> yeah wait a second so <laughs> in your what in your 20s you said i'd like to go to a different church yeah, than the it, one. right in october when i decided that you know i wanted to take a Christian walk, I started looking for online churches. I still, sorry about this. No, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I still didn't, um, I still didn't care for church. I, I've never liked church. I've always hated church. That's just <laughs> what it is. I'm, I can't go around it. There's no other way to explain it. I've just hated it from a child. Um, wow. But I was okay with hearing the message, you know. And so I was very much, you know, involved in this online church. I can't remember them, no. But it was yeah. cool. I liked the message at first until it got to the homophobic. So I was like, all right, no, this is not happening. So when I told her about that church, when I had just started, you know, participating in terms of sending offering and, you know, tuning in, she wasn't having it. She's like, are you no longer assemblies of God? And she was really pissed off. Yeah. And it was it, I, that was the first time it felt like a cult mm. in terms of it was just in your face. Yeah, um, only so, this way, not okay. the other. No other. Right, denial. no other way. No, growing up, um, I knew they were against Seventh Day Adventists, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, all of that. But to be outright against any other church attendance, even if it was a part of the full God, they weren't, you know, not accepting of it. She's not accepting of it. Right. So um, when I told her I was an atheist, I don't think she necessarily believes. I think there's something blocked. She knows I don't, but there's a block there, you yes. know. So which, which probably makes sense, right? Yeah. <clears throat> to protect herself from the belief that you have completely turned away from yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And because she still sees me, you know, now and again, even yesterday, my friend <laughs> reached out to me and asked me, what's the two Bible verses for a funeral? <laughs> and I asked her, <laughs> and she didn't even know. And I'm like, all right, fine. I know the verses. I'll just give her the verses. So in, wow. in those conversations, um, there is still that thing where she thinks, oh, she still believes because she knows. It's like, no, knowing and believing are two completely different things. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. You but talk it makes about it easy because we live together. So I guess that makes it easier. Okay. Yeah. So you're able to relate to each other beyond that, like that connection. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's everybody big. else that I do talk to that even still goes to church because my best friends, two of my best friends are Christians. Mm. You know, um, the relationships were built on more than church attendance, more than shared faith. The yeah. ones that were built on strictly shared faith, those have fallen by the wayside. And which is kind of more like just one for me. I'm lucky enough it was just one. Because wow. my friends who are Christians, they were, they just became Christians <laughs> literally <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> really? Yes. So you were friends with them before that? Yeah, for 20 odd years. <laughs> for 20 years. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> so they've like, known they've known your thoughts about it this whole time. Yeah, this whole time, yeah. So. That's fascinating. Okay. <laughs> so you talk about I saw one of your videos, you talk about how atheism is not the antithesis of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Do you mind saying a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um I notice, I mean, I think people miss the the, the fact that when you're on TikTok, um or any social media app for that matter, it's going to focus on your region. Yeah, and for sure. 
in this region, Christianity is our thing. There are other religions, clearly. There are, you know, there's Islam, there's Hindu, there's Buddhist, but this is not in our region. Yeah. So when you click on an app and you hear someone talk about their religious experience, it's going to only be about the one that is predominant in that region. For us, it's Christianity. And so I think a lot of people think that atheism is the antithesis to Christianity, not realizing it really is just a lack of belief in a God that covers no matter what region, no matter what God. Yeah. So you often hear them say, why don't you talk about this other religion? I don't have an experience with that <laughs> other religion. Just like you, I can only read about what they do. I have a friend who is a Hindu, but that's not the main. Um, we don't talk about our religious differences. You know, she doesn't even know I'm an atheist now, because when she met me all those years ago, I was a you know, I was still a Christian or in that mindset. Yeah. So um I don't have an experience with Hinduism. I don't have, I have friends who are Muslims. I don't have an experience being a Muslim. That's mm. not what the friendship is built on. So mm. for for you to expect people in your region to talk about something they don't have an experience with, it's kind of ridiculous. Yes, you know? absolutely. Um, I don't follow any ex-Muslims. I've seen their videos, you know, but there's also a fear when I watch them because I know how, you know, how serious Muslims are, yeah. you know. They're a little bit more serious than Christians to a certain extent. But I feel like Christianity is getting to that point, too, which is kind of scary. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a di there's a major difference. And if we were to start speaking about their experience as though it's ours, it's I mean, yeah, well, there's like a level of there's an appropriation that happens right. there. <clears throat> and I and you, you know, we the intersection of. Christianity, colonization, race, all of that, like you can't separate those things, especially, yeah. you know, Jamaica is a place that was colonized um, by Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so to reject Christianity or just religion, religion in general is one thing, but to reject the thing that established the way that your culture and society sort of function now, that's a bit of a different thing. Yeah. And it does make sense that when you're saying you're an atheist, especially Christians, are going to take that as um, just specific to Christianity. And it's, oh, you've been hurt. That brings up another video yeah. <laughs> that you've talked about, um, about church hurt. Uh, one of the ways that people often diminish the experience of folks that have left Christianity, call it church hurt. Yeah. And you are clear to identify it as abuse. It is abuse, yeah. Yes. Do you want to say more about that? Um, I think people... Tend to think because one comment, one commenter had left on that video. Um, do you think what do you do you think the church is a building? Now in Christianity, we know that they consider the church the people. Right. Which it doesn't really matter when you're talking about abuse, it's still abuse all the way through, whether you consider the church a building or not, or whatever, because I said people who attend church. Uh, <laughs> an issue with okay, so the building is a church, not the doesn't matter. It's so, not our fault that those words were conflated. Exactly. It's not exactly. Thank you. I was like, it's still abuse. I'm talking about the abuse. Um, but I hate when people say church hurt. I yeah. remember my friend, the friend that I no longer really talk to as much that because that relationship was built because of shared faith. She said, oh, I've been church hurt. I remember having a conversation with her down that road. And that was the first time in my personal life someone used that word to me. Mm. I hear it all the time on tiktok i've heard it throughout the years very sparingly throughout but when she said it i remember feeling very angry immediately i'm like what the hell is church hurt mm. and she couldn't explain it i'm like you're just hurt people do things to hurt you it doesn't matter what you label it the real label is abuse because this is a cycle it's not a one-off situation and you know this is how we were raised we were raised in this culture we you know lived our lives based on it or tried to at least in my case not the whole thing but yeah right the areas that but the I formative think, part of your life exactly yeah was shaped by this thing and that has caused tremendous hurt yeah and so she was saying it in a dismissive way and i've always heard it being said in a dismissive way nobody who is truly uh, interested in whatever you went through because of religious trauma 
ever uses the word church hurt, I realize. It's always mm. coming from those who want to dismiss what you're saying because they think, oh, this is just a part of the collective group. These things may happen, but this is not the main thing. I had another, this is always past as kids, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the common thing. Message me. It's like, at what church did you attend? I don't know what happened. And I'm just like, you, you, oh, father is pastor two different churches, but it's the same umbrella. Yeah. Because you don't pay attention to shit. Can I say that word? Yes. You pay attention. That doesn't mean I don't pay attention. Yep. And we don't talk like that. So how are you even going to try to chastise me because I'm posting my experience? Yes. Your experience is different. Yes. You know, and that's it. That is it. Because a lot of times when you hear someone say, well, uh, you, you know, a lot of people get hurt in church or something like that. Well, one, they're still there. They're still there. So they have something they feel connected to the critique, yes. right? So they're benefiting from it. They enjoy it. And you're saying it hurt me or, or I was abused or whatever language people are using when they're sharing about this. The diminishing part is, yeah, everyone gets hurt. I've been hurt too, but I'm still here. Yeah. Right. And so it's like an attack on your character. And that's why so many people are, do get defensive they're like well you're telling me that i just ooh, like i got a little bit hurt so i felt like i needed to leave yeah it's such a diminishing way to talk about someone's real lived pain and it's it's connected to the same way this is a i i believe it to be a pervasive sort of whiteness thing and i know non-white people do this but it is a silencing of the experience of people who have experienced suffering yeah a sentence of God is a is a white church. I Absolutely. mean, the development of it um, came from wanting to separate themselves from Church of God because of um, Church of God wanting to take on black pastors. Yep. So most people in Assemblies of God don't know about the history of it. They don't really understand it. They may understand the for in Jamaica the basic history of you know the church plants that came up, but where it originated from, why it originated in this way, they don't understand. It. And they will just call it the break up, breaking off of a church or the break away from right. one church. Right. Um, but theological differences, right? Right. Yeah. But there is that thing where they feel that they know it all. But they don't. And most Christians in Jamaica don't really know anything about their denomination. Wow. They don't take the time. Um, they don't care. Because for them, and Jamaica is kind of like very Christian nationalist already as it stands. Um, wow. It, it, no matter where you go, you could go to a dance hall party. You could go to carnival you're going to hear gospel music either at the beginning or the end. Wow. You could go to a regular festival, very secular event. They're playing gospel music somewhere in there. So you don't get away from Christianity when you live in Jamaica. Wow. You get away from it. So when someone like myself is expressing hurt based on what happened throughout my time within Christianity, it's very odd to people because for one, the culture itself can be very dismissive. Mm. One, we don't, most Jamaicans don't believe in therapy and counseling. The word abuse is something that people hear it, but they don't really understand how much it may apply to their lives individually and how it may apply to the collective. Um, and we were a slave nation. We were born out of slavery. Yeah. You know? So unfortunately, there are those issues that, have moved from one generation to the next and yes. have now become quite normative and people don't realize how problematic a lot of these things are yes. now there is because of social media and because of you know the participation and people who are interested in just being a better individual there is a push for just like the rest of the world the world <laughs> to, to understand more about emotional intelligence so there yeah. are people who are waking up yeah i've even gotten 
um, a request on, on one of my videos to start a WhatsApp group for Jamaicans who don't believe. Because there wow. are many people out there who don't believe. But we understand the culture that we're raised in. And even if somebody don't go to church, I had one friend when I tell him, you know, I'm an atheist. He's not a Christian. He's a weed smoker. <laughs> and I think, he's like, but I can't talk to you now. I'm like, sir, are you a Christian? <laughs> no. So what is your problem? <laughs> no, what, what is your problem? Because I don't believe in God. You don't believe in God. But he believes just that in our God. Wow. So even if somebody says they believe in God, they're just associating that with Christianity. My right. friend, no. Who, one of my best friends, who she was not a Christian all along. For her, it was always one day I become a Christian. Most Jamaicans see Christianity as something you do when you get older. Wow. You're young in life, you do everything in the world you want to do. And then when you're old and your bones and your knees start acting up, all right, now it's time to go to church. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's not that di that's not that different from here. So the way that it happens, I live in the Boston area and it's predominantly Catholic. Mm -hmm. A lot of the rest, maybe a lot of the people that you engage with on TikTok from America are more like evangelical. So that's a lot of like the southern and midwestern, you know, all that. But like here, people will grow up in the Catholic Church. Yeah. They'll right. get they'll get baptized, you know, right. like 11, something like that. And then they go away until they have kids and then they're back. It's yeah. a very similar kind of thing. I wish that, I mean, I had the, I just went all the way through up until like four years ago. So oh. I have, I have to sow my oats, you know, like. I, <laughs> so is that what you, is that what you attribute your sort of falling away to? But it's, it sounds like you are a unique case. I would probably say unique to a certain extent. I yeah. mean, I'm sure. Like when I talk to people, there are more people, but I started questioning at the age of eight. Wow. I never felt at home. Okay. Church attendance, like I would say, I didn't like church. I remember my first conversation with my mom was on a Sunday morning when I was about six. I was not living in this house. So I lived in this house when I was seven. So okay. I was about six. And we had stayed home that Sunday. My mom was a nurse as well. So, you know, she felt tired. She stayed home. And it was such a good Sunday, mm. such a good Sunday. And I remember asking her, why do we have to go to church? Because she's like, oh, to worship God, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but if God is everywhere, we don't need to subject ourselves to go into this place. It never made sense. And this was me at six. That's incredible. <laughs> so, you know, she explained it, but I understood. I was a child. I understood it was illegal to have me stay home by myself and yes. have any kind of living helper um helper meaning you guys would call that a maid a housemaid yeah yeah right? so yeah. we call um so we would have you living helpers throughout at various parts of my upbringing the okay more my parents got the more obviously that was a need at that time that wasn't a need so if for me it was like mm, no <laughs> um i obviously can't stay home but, but you're six think, years old at this point I was six. Amazing. Yeah. And I liked it. At the age of eight, we were at convention. Um, I don't know if you have those in the U.S. They, when all of the churches across the island come together. Do you have yeah. Every denomination sort of has their own version of that. But yeah. Okay. So um, it was at convention. I was in the library and I was reading one of those children books. I was a kid, obviously. And in it, there was the Jonah story. Now, my mom being a nurse, we had, you know, one and two biological books. So I understood, and I was a very sickly child, let me just say that. So I was mm. always in the hospital. Um, so the wow. realities of life were always, in terms of sickness, were always quite in my face. And I was always experiencing. My first surgical procedure was at the age of two, to give you kind of like a Wow. So I kind of understood that, you know, you're not going to survive underwater very long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of understood barely a little bit about like a, a whale. Of, of course, the Bible says fish, it doesn't say a whale, but you yeah. kind of, um, you know, so I kind of understood about the four components of that makes up a whale at the time. Because we had encyclopedias at my house, my dad made sure of that. And I remember looking in the children's book and I'm like, this is so illogical because in it, in the whale's stomach, Jonah had a candle and books. 
<laughs> I could wrap my mind around it. I was like, how did he get books there? Though? <laughs> and a candle. I mean, obviously, I know they're trying to make it children friendly. Right, right, right. right. But children are not stupid. <laughs> but you were piecing all of it together. Well, no, that they're not, but we believe what we're told. Many of us, not you. <laughs> but like you're piecing it all together. You're like, well, first of all, it's illogical the the living there. But okay, exactly. now you're now you got a candle. Come on. Right. So it just never made sense. And wow. I'm so puzzled by this picture that yeah. And I remember saying, because obviously this is a kid part coming in and, you know, accepting, like, I guess God could do it if he can do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was my excuse. But I never believed in a Noah story. That just, funny enough, mm. I always thought, and I think I said this to my dad, I don't know why I got that memory, drop, you know, triggered the other day. I think I had said to him, they would think it was the world that was flooded. But reality is, they could only see as far as their eyes can. If planes yes. just came in, they must. And that, if that was supposed to be the first boat, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. They wouldn't have taken voyages to know that they're, you know, it's not the whole world. Right. Um, just right. like I, I never understood when people would have said, oh, Adam and Eve was the only people. And I'm like, I know I can read. They're the <laughs> first First and only are two different words. <laughs> exactly. So how does Cain have a wife at some point? I thought, no, the story was, because was I've always thought this story was just talking about the two first people. Obviously, God created other people. Yeah. I never stopped. I never stopped and thought to myself, well, these were just the only two people he created. And I know this was a story about the first two. So and you, from, from a young age, you took these, I wonder... Did you take these stories as like Dr. Seuss, like children's stories, mm -hmm. or did you receive them as the way we receive them, which is, this is literally how something happened? They tried to tell me that it was literal. Okay. Um, because that's the approach of the Assemblies of God. And you were not having it. I wasn't having it. It was anything that was illogical. And bear in mind, even though my dad was a pastor, he really wanted us to question things. Mm. He allowed questions. I think my dad was always deconstructing mm. because I saw him change throughout. And even the same pastor I was talking to the other day, he was very close to my dad. My dad was a mentor to him. Mm. Um, he always said that my dad was open to critique, open to questions, open to rethinking things. And that was something that clearly, it wasn't just a daughter's experience to a father. It was people outside of the, yes. of the home that had that same experience. So questioning things, even though, yes, Assemblies of God talked about things being literal, and, and I thought most of it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah, because I was I was in the I was in the literal camp all through my childhood, just like, you know, believing in Santa Claus kind of thing. Oh no. Well, we live in Jamaica. My dad hated the whole idea of Santa Claus. <laughs> and for me, it was funny. I was like, well, dad, we're not gonna believe that we live in a there's no snow here though. <laughs> <laughs> my story doesn't apply. <laughs> geography anybody? Yeah, right. Okay, so you brought up the deconstructing word. There's two words that are used uh, nowadays that sort of envelop the communities that we intersect in. There's Ooh. deconstruction and decolonizing. Um, and I don't know, I know you talk about both, but do you see a distinction? What would you say is the distinction between those two things? Um, because they both are connected to people sort of ripping apart the foundations of at least Christianity in their own lives. Right. Um, decolonization in my mind is a part of the deconstruction process. As you said, it's the, you know, dismantling and ripping apart of Christianity. 
And so decolonization, in my mind, focuses more so on the racial aspect, the racial divide, the racial abuse, racism. It focuses more on that and anything internalized and, and you know, things that you do that you may not realize is because of racial prejudice and stuff like that. So that's how I see it. But that's important. Um, That played a a major role for me. I don't talk a lot about it. And the main reason, and this might be, I guess, controversial, is because I feel, well, factually, yes, Jamaica was born out of slavery, but I still am raised in a predominantly Black country. Mm-hmm. So I don't face the type of discrimination that a Black American would. Yeah. And so I feel like if I talk about my experience, it pales in comparison to, mm. to a Black American. And so I don't feel like I truly have a seat at that table mm. because I, in my day-to-day life, I don't ever feel oppressed. The color of my skin never really crosses my mind at all unless it's deliberately an intentional conversation or somebody's treating me in a particular way because we do have racism in Jamaica don't get me wrong yeah um because we do have the upper upper class is predominantly white European ancestry and so the those ideals are still very much carried forward to today um, and I used to work for a company which the boss was like that mm. white guy, everybody has to be white it, subsequently over years it has you know kind of changed and stuff like that it's not as much but still I can't compare that small experience to what people in America experience day to day or that fear I was just in, I was just in Orlando the other day and I felt so fearful Wow. I don't feel it because I know I'm no longer I'm no longer home where I feel completely free. Wow. Whenever I visit America, unfortunately, I feel like I'm in bondage because I, I can't move, you know. And just the simplest thing. I'm when I'm in America, I'm considered a black woman. When I'm here, I'm just a woman. Yeah. Wow. Just a woman. We're just regular human beings, nothing special about us. So Yeah. And you're I, going to Florida of all places. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So I literally stayed in the hotel room. I was like, I am not leaving until <laughs> my virgin come pick me up. And he's like, no, just walk. I'm like, sir, no. <laughs> I've heard enough stories. I've heard enough stories. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just yeah. want to get home in one piece. Yeah, but I would that's that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. What you described earlier about um there being a lack of understanding or or focus on social emotional well-being and all of that even though there is generational trauma from slavery and all of those things there is still a cultural and demographic difference where you're living so yeah. that shapes the way that you experience the world of course yeah. and so decolonizing looks different where you are than it does for people who are black and grew up in america that makes yeah, sense. It does, yeah. And even I have to like understanding the history of the Assemblies of God. I mean, you can point pinpoint the anti-blackness within the Assemblies of God. It's very easy. Um, somebody had described um in a video long ago, and this is how I recognize that it was either be a Christian or be a black person. That was really what has always been the case mentally. Wow. Because to be a Christian mean you don't really, yes, we have dancing in our church, but the way we dance in Jamaica, it's very sexualized and what they would call vulgar, but it was either that or, which is a part of our culture. So it was be a part of the culture or be a Christian. And being a Christian is very much whitewashed when it's dealing with the assemblies of God. And so when I heard that person talk about it in the video, I was like, that's what I felt all these years. Wow. That's but in as I said, I'm grew up in a predominantly black nation. That's not something that I'm faced with all the time. So to think in that way and to dismantle anything and to use those terms, um, is something that is very much still new to me. Even mm. recognizing racism, um, unless it's over, it's something I'm learning how to do. You That's know? really interesting. Well, you did make a really, I think, really poignant video about how black folks who were slaves out of survival yeah. uh, converted to Christianity. 
Mm-hmm. And so that is that was the way that whiteness spread. It was like an invitation to adopt this thing and only selective parts, obviously, because there were slave Bibles yeah. that were made that that took out big chunks that might mm-hmm. say, hey, maybe God doesn't want you to be a slave kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that you is that something that you've sort of understood for a while? Um, and then there's just other aspects of what racism entails that you're now sort of looking more into or hearing more about? Mm-hmm. Um, well, growing up in Jamaican high schools, we do have history lessons that are very much real. Um, it, it doesn't sound like in America, you guys learned about the real history. Here, we learned about it. And I remember mm. in, in in class, when they were talking about the Arawaks, which I have Tainos, I, I'm indigenous, have indigenous blood running through me. Wow. And quasi-indigenous, which is what we call the um, Maroons, which I'm a Maroon, but okay. I have Tana blood running through me. Wow. And I learned about that and how they were forced. They were forced. And if they didn't want to convert, you know, the Arawaks, the chiefs were killed and stuff like that. So I've, we learn about that from a very young age. It's not mm. something that's hidden from us. And I remember... <laughs> You know, I realized, so why are we even, I mean, the entire class is like, so why are we even Christians here? This don't make no sense. But of course, you know, most teachers are Christians. And so, you know, she, I, I don't remember her going in depth in it. I think she kind of wanted us to focus on the lesson and not think too much. I don't know how, <laughs> but it's like, we're here to learn though. Yeah, we, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about we don't want to talk about it in depth. Yeah, but she didn't entertain. I don't remember her entertaining the religious conversation because, and I think most Jamaicans really try to not think about it. They which really which makes sense to yeah. me. But this is an interesting thing I hear a lot. And I'm interested in your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. That we know that Christianity comes out of the Middle East. And we know that early faith communities, Abrahamic faith traditions come out of like Africa and Northern Africa. And people will often rebut what we're saying with things like that. But the truth is the way that we received it was not from those communities. It wasn't their perspective on that faith tradition. It was, it had been overtaken by Rome. It had, and that's the way that we eventually receive it down the line. Mm -hmm. So whether or not, there are parts of or or foundations within that tradition that are middle eastern or african those have been completely whitewashed mm-hmm. so whatever we received how can we trust that any of that is there well we can and 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 of course you you have to look at the reality that we don't even have the original manuscripts of of most of the scriptures that are in the bible and i think a lot of people think that the bible people that sat down and wrote it one a one and go it's like no that's not how that works (laughs) that is not how that works it has to because how else is there going to be like this conduit that just comes from else you're just writing right (laughs) (laughs) what we received was not this sort of indigenous oppressed group kind of faith that's like trying to make it through life and seeking divine intervention. What we received was a dominant God that had overtaken the world, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and it was now broken down into all these little denominations of who's right, who's wrong, mm-hmm. who gets who gets it, who knows Jesus better. You know, um, that's that's what we received. So when you and I both talk about Assemblies of God, even though you're in Jamaica and I'm experiencing it in New York City, there are shared experiences because yeah. Assemblies of God have been extremely effective at missions. Yes. And they're everywhere. Everywhere. They're, every- they're one of the most effective, I think, missions groups out of all the major denominations. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Pentecostalism has really taken over in some portions of Africa as well. Yes. The, Africans are the worst when they come on to my videos. Really? They are the most aggressive, <laughs> especially the men. The women, not so much. But the men, the men. I mean, I think that's collectively the women on TikTok may, you know, we talk about this sparingly. At least I don't, really, I don't see a lot, but when we, and I do see videos, 
the men just attack. They just oh, attack. Yeah. And they just feel like they know more than you. And, you know, they're schooling you on something. It's like, ah, oh, sir, I've lived. This is my entire life, though. They don't care. And the Africans <laughs> are very deeply indoctrinated. Yes. I don't know what is happening down there. I know that, obviously, you know, Africans have always been big on spirituality. That has always been our thing. Yeah. Um, but it's so scary the way the men come on to my comment section. It's like, dog. Brother, mm. you know, mm. they're more indoctrinated than most people, in my opinion, based on my comment section. And when they come that's back, <laughs> really interesting to hear. I, so you get a lot of African men in your comment sections attacking your content. Yeah. Wow. A lot. And it's, it's, it's just, it's disheartening to see. Um, I was just having a brief exchange with, with a commenter on, on the same, on the same topic. I just like it's the weirdest thing. Mm. Weirdest thing. It's just I I don't know what is happening in Africa. I don't know what they told them, but this is how I might be able to understand it. When you're saying to someone that you received this tradition for whatever reason, anything other than it's true. Right? If you say to someone, if I say to you, Shell, you believe this not because it's true, but because someone emotionally manip manipulated you when you were suffering. Then you're going to have your defense mechanisms up. Like, no, no, I'm not that stupid. Like, I think that's it. You know, like you're not going to tell me that I, you know, this is why I embraced it. I'm a fully independent person capable of making my own choices. And that is the first false assumption. <laughs> That yeah. we're just like these individuals who can make our own choices without the influence of other things. I mean, not even outside of religion, we we don't have as much control as we think. Or and our brains, it, our brains do what it wants. Yes, <laughs> I don't think people understand that. Like no. you're only able to do what your brain allows you to do. Yes, it has nothing to do with you. Like at this point. Be grateful that we're able to to do what we can do right now. But Alzheimer's, dementia, have you seen how that wreaks havoc on people? Right. You know? Are you and, making those choices? No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. You know, if you if you get up one morning, I've had a, a, a thing where I was able unable to really walk for like two weeks. They mm. said it was migraines. I got up, Oof. I was and I fell and that was it. I wasn't really able to move. I don't think it was like I lost the ability fully. It just, I couldn't do it because my head hurt so much. Wow. They had to do everything for me. But like, I think I could still move and stuff like that. Oh. But that woke me up to like, you don't really have control over <laughs> nothing. I went to school that day. I, <clears throat> I was fine up to dinner time. Went to bed, got up to go to use the bathroom fell and that was it wow wow so outside of religion that taught me no, 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 no this whole idea of free free will my ass what are you even talking about <laughs> <laughs> your brain decides to stop working you ought to look <laughs> free will it's one of those i wonder what like that's a vestige of like enlightenment philosophy that's held on somehow that we have free will i don't know but i'm curious because the more I listen to you talk, the more I wonder mm -hmm. if when you were young, people, because of your parents, people were like, you're going to be a prophet or a pastor too. I didn't get that. My brother did because my really? brother preached. Um, people knew that I was different. They yeah. always did. They always did. <laughs> um, Nobody ever said that, which is funny though, but nobody ever said that. I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised, I will say. I guess because I asked questions and I really, I didn't, I participated in like the choir and stuff like that and, you know, skits as a child, but my life is very different. I was always about doing what I wanted to do. Mm. I was always very much, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. So even in believing in god like no nah, i don't believe what you're saying i took the parts that i believed and i left the rest yeah so even with purity culture my experience with it is not about 
not having engaged in that. My aspect of purity culture that bothered me the most was forcing me to wear dresses and skirts and you know telling me that because I'm not modestly dressed I'm worthless I'm this and that but when it came to the actual engaging in anything sexual that didn't um I never agreed with that I told my parents I was stupid I'm not waiting till March that's dumb you expect me to- <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. But it never made sense how did you have this I'm so curious how like your mind see again that's not like something you chose right your mind just yeah my mind just I've always thought it was ridiculous because I was always logical if you tell me that I was I was made by God that obviously these sexual urges are not something I leave my body to go and find and and bring back here so clearly God wanted us to have it Mm. you not liking it doesn't negate the fact that it's real wow you wanting us to shape, shape shift and be something that we're not. I'm a human. I don't know what you are. I don't care what you are. <laughs> I'm a human being. But and, I'm a human. Right. A part of my humanity is the fact that I have a sexuality and yes. I want to express myself. But also my parents Amen. didn't tell me that sex was bad. They told us that sex was beautiful. Yeah. And wonderful. And should be, you should reserve it for marriage. Um, so that also helped as I got older. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I thought, why would I? And and I understood marriage as being legal. Like that's the legality of it. For me, there's yeah. a relationship, and then there's the the legality. You know, you deciding to 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 legalize your union. And for me, I was always those are two different things. Mm. And I'm not going to legally sign to to be with somebody without knowing anything about them <laughs> what, what are we doing here and i'm supposed you're supposed to be the only person and my dad said to me when i was younger well you know you can go to the doctor i'm like after i waited i'm supposed to go to you let go with you to the doctor to figure out if your penis works no sir that don't work. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most intimate aspect of your marriage you have to wait <laughs> wait that makes no it never made sense it never made sense it never made sense. And to me, I, and I remember saying this to my dad, I'm like, he's like, well, you know, if it's marriage is legal, if it's a, if it's not legal and it's illegal, I'm like, yeah, but this is just a social stuff. And I was around the age of 15 or 16 at the time we had this conversation in the wow. kitchen. He was cooking. My dad was a cook, so he was cooking. We had all these conversations. I think probably he's like, okay, when I start cooking, she's going to start asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's amazing. But it sounds like that was like, you had this, it sounds like you had a really beautiful relationship with your dad. He invited yeah. the questions. Yeah. So he got what he asked for. And yeah. I always, <laughs> I always say like, I love questions. I love when my kids ask them. And I always have felt like as, as well, I'm not a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. I have great appreciation for these faith traditions that are about people trying to overcome difficulty in the world and oppression so i have great respect and try to understand those things and i understand when jesus talked about things like having faith like a child that's what i imagine yeah. you know like I saw, i'm like i remember hearing that and i was like kid i was like have a feel like a child i mean you're stupid you don't know nothing yeah well not you not you though like you weren't see i the way i heard it when i was a kid because mm-hmm. i was very compliant i was the opposite of you i was like do whatever I'm told, believe whatever I'm told to believe. Mm-hmm. And so, but now looking back, I'm like, well, he knew kids were like relentless question askers, you know, like that's, but that's what your dad got. He's having, he's cooking. He's right. like, there's food is always the great equalizer. It's yes. a great yeah. space to talk. Yeah. So like he's cooking and he's just like, all right, here she comes. What she got today. <laughs> Or because he took he my dad was very hands on because as a pastor you know you have a little leeway so my mom will go to work he was the breakfast cook he combed my hair did the breakfast for my brother and myself took wow. us to school he was that he was very hands on that so we had conversations all the time I told him everything I remember the first time I told him I smoked wow. he was laughing and then in the middle of the laughing he stopped he's like wait a minute you have asthma. That made <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, for him, it was you're human. You're going to have your human experiences. <sighs> and so. As That's much rare, as though. That's so rare. rare. It is rare. It wow. is rare. 
And so he would not make me feel like it was odd for me to do stuff. And he would try to tell me stories of, you know, he liked dancing too. And I think I always felt kind of bad when he would tell me about dancing. And it's like he chose to be a Christian and, yeah. and instead of just be the man that he was. Yeah. I understood that he felt like he was called by God and all of that. But he was an accountant before he was a pastor. He had a life and he enjoyed yeah. his life. And I yeah. felt like he gave that up partly just to be a Christian. And that's why I was going back to the whole, am I a Christian or am I black? If you like to dance and you like to do stuff and you feel like you need to stop doing these things, which are obviously not harming anybody, what's, why, you know? Well, what? it sounds like within the culture is this built-in idea that you becoming a Christian means like you've grown up. It's yes. like, that's the, exactly you're on the board with that. They, they 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 definitely associate it with growing up. And and it's in line with marriage. It's in line with having kids. Okay, so I'm going to go to church and get married. Or this is it. Even, you know, my helper says it. She's like, okay, I need to go back to church. So I need to get married and I need to do this. Because church is a sign of church attendance. Oh, you're an adult now. And this is what adults do. Yes. It's the way, and, and this is where you're not, you're useless the way that your brain works to society, your society, because yeah. it's a mechanism for control and for social sort of ease and structure. Mm -hmm. It creates this, this is the way things work in our society. Yeah. Anyone that doesn't, well, you know, we have no use for you. Um, and, and that's like generally speaking, but it does feel like what it means from what I understand is if you're going to be successful, that you're going to fall in line with that system. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah. And me not being married or wanting kids or even really caring much for marriage, to be honest, is I'm very much outside of that. You know, <laughs> you're a problem. That's I'm why, a problem. that's why I love your, your, uh, t TikTok handle shell the heretic. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't, a lot of what they believe in, I just, I'm literally, when a guy meets, like, I don't understand why you don't want to get married. Why would I want to get married? Like, you've <laughs> done a good job at, like, making me think that this is a good thing anyway. I mean, my parents' marriage was lovely. Like, mm. they, I think a lot of people who know my family, they're like, because they would think, my brother's married. I'm like, yeah, see, he did it. <laughs> Aren't you happy? <laughs> One of us did the shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for them, it's like, yeah, but your parents' marriage was so lovely. Why don't you? And I remember the first time I recognized that I don't know if I want to get married. Hmm. My mom and dad we were laughing in the room, having a good time. And this is how you know this is who you are. When you can make a decision when it's not out of anger or sadness. And I thought this is a commitment for life. I, I, no, I didn't say it at the time. I'm like, I don't want to get married anytime soon. But I didn't think anytime soon was being my 40s. But <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.